Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, we're going back to the moon. A Pittsburgh-based aerospace company is sending off a lunar lander. It was supposed to be right before Christmas, but now scientists aren't so sure. But it's not Pittsburgh's first rodeo in this space. The Steel City has a long legacy in cosmic exploration. Plus, our team has a little launch announcement of our own. It's Monday, December 11th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. Hey, Sophia. Hey, Megan. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. If anyone is new here, first of all, yay. Uh, Sophia Lowe is one of the wonderful humans, sometimes on mic, sometimes behind the scenes, who makes the CityCast <laughs> Pittsburgh podcast every day. And you have really nerded out the last couple of months on a very specific topic. Yes, we are going to be talking about a moon launch happening later this month. I'm so excited to finally be able to talk about this on mic. I know. You've you really put in the work. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> But that is not the only big Pittsburgh-related launch we have to share today. Yeah, exciting news for CityCast Pittsburgh fans. We are launching a membership program here. And by signing up, you will become one of our founding members. Yeah, I've relied so much on the podcast and the Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. For the newsletter especially, the neighborhood guides are such a unique resource. Yes. Yeah, and I'm literally drinking a commonplace coffee right now, thanks to Francesca's <laughs> love for them. Obviously, that's rubbed off on me. It's the cookie butter latte, in case anyone is curious. <laughs> and if you're interested in membership, there are two tiers. You can be our friendly neighbor or you can be a Steel City champion. You yes. can choose which one makes sense to you. We've got perks for each membership tier, and the Steel City Champion comes with a couple extra ones. So this program includes membership perks that are out of this world, like, <laughs> like ad-free listening and members-only updates. You could also get VIP access to special events. I had lots of fun at our happy hour last month, and I would love to connect with more Pittsburghers here. And if you're thinking that might be something interesting to you, you are in luck because we actually have an event in the works for later this month. Yeah, so please consider signing up. It's really expensive to make a free podcast every day, and that part's not going to change. Uh, but we're a really small team, so every little bit helps. We've hit on big issues like the election, and we interviewed Mayor Ganey last week. Also, I just love to start fights, like whether <laughs> Pittsburgh is actually part of the Midwest or, you know, explaining to my fellow Pittsburghers who Matt Canada is and why Giant Eagle wanted him to get fired. We also help you navigate Pittsburgh like a pro. Megan and Francesca had such great tips for how to efficiently shop local holiday markets. Thank you. Yes, super helpful. Um, and you can find out more about this membership program online at membership.citycast.fm. Three, two, one. 
zero. Liftoff. We have liftoff. Now that we've announced our membership launch onto the moon, woohoo! The big news is that Astrobotic is sending their Peregrine lander to the moon later this month. It's going to be launching from Cape Canaveral in Florida on December 24th. We'll touch on more of that here in a bit. But we wanted to start with a little bit of historical background because Pittsburgh has been involved with space exploration for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I did not know this before I moved here, but one thing I learned is that the city was really critical to helping astronauts land on the moon for the very first time. Um, we've been involved in the Apollo missions, so that was in the 1960s, longer than I thought. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of Pittsburgh's involvement, I think the thing that sticks out in my mind is an exhibit at the Heinz History Center a couple of years ago. It was called Destination Moon. It was from the Smithsonian in D.C. They did such a great job of telling those stories, but also integrating like Pittsburgh's place in all of it. It was just really fascinating to read. Yeah, unfortunately, obviously was not here for that exhibit. No. But <laughs> I did talk to Emily Ruby from the Heinz History Center about it. She was a co-curator for that local component of Destination Moon. She shared this quote with me from the Pittsburgh Press. It was published July 21st, 1969, so the day after Apollo 11 landed on the moon. And this quote says, When the lunar module sat down on the moon, an American astronaut set foot on the moon, many a Pittsburgher could claim he was part of the effort. That's really sweet. But remind me about this period, though. Like, I know Pittsburgh has done a ton of space research, but the Apollo series period in the 1960s has always been sort of a black hole for me. Yeah. So we had a part in building Saturn V, the rocket that sent astronauts to the moon uh, Mm. then. I think that's something people are likely to be a little more familiar with. But even before that, Pittsburgh helped rally the funding for the space race just to get that whole thing kicked off. There's a great Google Arts and Culture page that uh, we'll link in the show notes that explained how Pittsburgh area Congressman James Fulton really pushed funding for space research. And the Heinz's website also mentions that he got $1.5 million for Pitt's Space Research Coordination Center. You know, I hope you don't mind, but I looked up his name when you started researching all of this and I saw something that said he was credited with saving the entire program, that he was having a heart attack and got out of the ambulance to propose a compromise that eventually restored space funding. What? I do not mind. That is new information to me. And I guess that really shows how dedicated he was to getting this to work. Oh, my gosh. Um, So what happens in Pittsburgh once that funding got approved and things got moving? So once these projects get going uh, and we're in the stages of building the modules and everything else you need to get to the moon, Pittsburgh's industrial history was a major reason why people here get so involved with this space research. I don't think that's a huge surprise. Uh, The company Alcoa made over one million pounds of aluminum for that Saturn V rocket I talked about. Yeah. And Heinz curator Emily Ruby told me how Pittsburgh got such a big manufacturing contract for this rocket. And it starts off with the company Rockwell Standard. At the height of the space program, they buy out North American Aviation in California. And North American Aviation happened to have, you know, one of the main contracts with NASA to build the majority of the Saturn V rocket. So that ends up being a Pittsburgh company that owns, that, you know, has the biggest contract to create the Saturn V rocket. So that includes the second stage of the rocket, the service module, the command module, the launch escape tower, the launch escape system, and the rocket engines for all the stages of the Saturn V, um, including the smaller engines that help maneuver the spacecraft. 
Wow, that is a lot of components. Like, I mean, I, I know that, of course, it takes a million things to make anything in space work. But of course. But still, a lot of things, a lot of things have to go right. Yeah, Emily said that some of this work was still in California, but, you know, that's still a pretty big connection that this rocket has to Pittsburgh. Um, our city also had a lot of subcontracts for building these lunar modules. Um, but another major thing we had the main contract for was the camera that astronauts brought with them on that lunar mission. Oh. Westinghouse made that camera and the Heinz History Center actually has a prototype uh, on display. It's in there exhibit about innovation in Pittsburgh. So couple things that are still up related to space, even though that destination moon exhibit is gone. Very cool. Any other projects that stick out to you from this period? One thing that I thought was really interesting was that the person who designed the flagpole that's still um, lodged onto the moon's surface is from this area. His name was Jack Kinsler. He was also known as Mr. Fix-It. So fun nickname. <laughs> uh, he worked for NASA and he was the chief of the technical services division. And as you would guess, he solved a lot of well, technical challenges. In this case, he figured out how to make the American flag look like it was flying on the moon. And here's a clip from the president of the Heinz History Center talking more about it. Uh, this is part of an exhibit tour that they've posted on their website. He came up with an idea for a telescoping aluminum pole with a cantilevered arm on it that would make the American flag stand out straight because there's no wind on the moon. Fun music. <laughs> and one final project I want to mention, a company from Bradford, Pennsylvania, made a tool that's a combination hatchet and a saw. And this was for the astronaut survival kit. And, you know, there's even more that we contributed to here in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, way more than we could talk about here. So we'll drop some links in the show notes if you want to get into all the details and projects. So the city was involved in making all of these things things. Does that mean that we also, you know, got involved in the party after the fact? I was wondering the same thing. And Emily told me this really great story about how the town of Apollo celebrated. Oh my God, of course. So the town of Apollo in Armstrong County was the only town named Apollo at the time of the Apollo missions. And so they took like a lot of pride in in this name. Um, when When the astronauts were on the moon, they staged this whole kind of community festival and they sent uh, some of the local firemen to Moon Township to gather like moon soil <laughs> um, and they brought it back to Apollo and it has been in the historical society there in Apollo it's just this like this little glass container and it says it has a little flag sticking out of it and it says like moon moon soil in it oh, dude, this is um, so cute and we actually borrowed that for the exhibit and every year then they would have a huge parade and celebration up until very recently in apollo pa they had always had the celebration of the moon landing um and at the 50 for the 50th anniversary they were kind of thinking of like what should we do i, I told them they should go to mars and, and take mars soil <laughs> but i don't know if they ever did that <laughs> That's the cutest story I've ever heard. It's so adorable. It really is the best. Mm -hmm. 
Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art? Eat gourmet snacks? People watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful. Be imaginative. Explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. that's the past. Let's talk a little bit more about what's coming up. Uh, We've heard a lot about this potential launch to the moon, and now we finally have a date. Yes. And as we mentioned earlier, the big player here is Astrobotic. It's the space slash robotics slash CMU spinoff that's headquartered on the North Shore. Uh, You can see it just from the highway near the West End Bridge. Mm -hmm. And this company is launching the Peregrine Lander on Christmas Eve. As of this recording, the schedule says 1.49 in the morning on December 24th. Godspeed, (laughs) y'all. So the actual launch is happening in Cape Canaveral in Florida, but a team of folks will be working here in Pittsburgh around the clock. NASA and ULA, the rocket company, are both going to live stream some of it. NASA's actually got an event right up. If you need a calendar (laughs) hold, that'll also be linked in our show notes. And before we get into too much more here, a note about terminology. A lunar lander is what actually lands on the moon. You've got the rocket that gets things up in the air. Then the lander detaches from the rocket. Um, And then there's an info packet from Astrobotic that describes Peregrine as a delivery vehicle in space. What a wild idea. Like I'm picturing this thing as like a space UPS truck. But much more expensive. (laughs) And a little more terminology, Peregrine is going to be carrying 21 payloads, and that's just a very fancy word for something on the lander. For example, CMU is sending up a rover, and that rover is one of the payloads. And the other payloads are coming from other companies, NASA, you know, government orgs. I gotta say, even in the abstract, space sounds terrifying to me. I think the ocean is scarier. I I think they are both frightening. I guess I'm glad that sterner minds than mine are devoted to figuring (laughs) this stuff out. Um, Has NASA or CMU or Astrobotic explained exactly what they're trying to learn through all of these missions? You know, I try to reach Astrobotic to talk specifically about Peregrine, but unfortunately, I didn't hear back. But there's been a lot of talk about going to the moon and even to Mars. And I did get in touch with a CMU professor at the Robotics Institute, David Wettergreen, about why we want to return to the moon. No surprise that the universities here are also involved in big research projects. And Mm -hmm. here's what David said. Well, one of the really exciting discoveries of recent years has been the presence of uh, water on the moon. And we don't know exactly what, what form it takes and how much is there. But uh, if there's water on the moon, uh, that would allow us to provide drinking water uh, for astronauts or people on the moon. Uh, But also by splitting the H2O molecule, we get hydrogen for fuel for rockets and 
uh, oxygen to breathe. So there's resources available on the moon that maybe would uh, sustain people there. And there are other uses of those those fuels and resources if we want to go beyond the moon onto Mars or to uh, the outer planets. So because of those discoveries, there's a lot of interest and excitement about going to the moon again. Okay, first of all, I did not know that there was water on the moon. He's talking about this like it's like the most obvious thing. I was not aware of that. I have a lot of follow-up questions for this guy about what he just (laughs) said, though. Um, I guess, tell me more about this CMU rover that's going up there. Um, I remember seeing that there was a launch date a long time ago, but I'm guessing it got pushed. That's right. CMU students have been working on this rover, Iris, for a few years now, and this is getting sent up with that lunar lander, one of the payloads, and the rover is what can actually move around the surface of the moon. So the original launch day, I think, was May 4th, Star Wars Day. That would have been super yeah. cool. But, you know, Christmas Eve, also a good date. It is. I, I Also, just a slight moment of appreciation for the names of these things like Apollo and Iris and Peregrine. They're just so fun. Yeah. And what's super cool to me is that Iris is a student-led project, and I'll let Carmen Talento explain a little bit more about it. They're the representation lead for the Iris Lunar Rover. So the classic description of Iris that we like to use is it's uh, a shoebox on wheels, particularly bottle cap wheels. And it's literally like the size of a shoebox. So we're hoping to, you know, drive around, (laughs) you know, do what our little rover's supposed to do. The only real instrument on the rover is cameras. Since nothing ever this small has ever gone or driven, we don't know how it's going to interact with the lunar surface. A shoebox on bottle cap wheels. All right. I can see it. Yeah. And I also asked them why this type of research is important. And here's what Carmen said about that. NASA has their whole plan with the Artemis missions of revisiting the moon. We haven't done that since you know, the 70s. And we've kind of skipped the rover phase on the moon and went straight to sending rovers to Mars. So going back, doing that, exploring the moon so that we can do it safer when we send people and collect data that, you know, even talking to certain representatives from NASA, they have no idea. They have no idea what to expect in certain cases, knowing that a bunch of CMU students are going to get that information first. It's really incredible. Well, that's cool. I never really thought about it that way that, yeah, we just went straight to, you know, putting people there because that was part of the space race and we didn't actually do the exploration part. I mean, I'm sure we did some of it, but not as much as we probably could have. Um, So tell me more about the entities that are working on this launch. You know, there's been so much financial support in headlines lately about Astrobotic and, you know, just space in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I found a lot of other things that we're doing related to space that don't have to do with this particular launch. Um, Still moon exploration, but also cool to see that there's so many other projects going on here. So over the summer, Astrobotic and another company here that uh, does space research, Proto Innovations, both of them got grants from NASA to work on other projects uh, related to moon exploration. It's millions of dollars for the both of them. Oh my gosh. 
NASA's got a mission planned for late 2024, so maybe next time this year we'll be talking about another moon landing. Um, but a little closer to home, just last month, Astrobotics said that they're going to grow their staff and space, physical office space, that is. Look at you. That's part of the whole, like, quote-unquote, space district thing on the north side, I think. Yes, that's right. Trib Live did some reporting on this. Uh, Astrobotic is already on the north side, but they're going to be expanding into another building there. Um, and even more about uh, investment in Astrobotic, Governor Josh Shapiro said that Pennsylvania gave the company $4 million for growth. And there's also going to be an innovation hub on that first floor of the new building that the Air Force and Space Force will be involved in. Space Force will never not sound fake to my ears. <laughs> well, they're real. Um, and they are already here. They're currently in Nova Place. I didn't realize Space Force was in Pittsburgh at all. That was new info to me. Same. I did not know that. <laughs> and there's also something called the Keystone Space Collaborative. Lots of names. Um, but this collaborative is supposed to grow the industry across Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. So I guess we'll keep an eye on what's happening here in the next coming years. And uh, there are also other missions to watch. A surprising, to me at least, number of astronauts have come from Western Pennsylvania, um, at least four in the program right now that are in line for future missions um, are like claim Pittsburgh is their hometown. Their names wow. are Mike Fink, Bob Hines, Woody Hoberg and Andrew Morgan. And I mean, that's it's like four out of 38, which is how many are like currently in the program. Seems like a lot. So, you know, good for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm so glad you got to talk about astronauts too, Megan. I know every time I bring up space, you get excited about Pittsburgh astronauts. It does have to do with the fact that I've talked to two out of those four before, and they were just nice people. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I mean, all these astronauts on top of everything else really does make it feel like that Pittsburgh is becoming that growing space hub for real, like it is the next evolution of our industry. So if you're a space nerd looking to explore that part of your personality, there's this launch to look forward to. Um, but there's also the Carnegie Science Center here in town that has fun stuff to look at. Um, the Allegheny Observatory is a literal classic. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, one some of the first ways that people in our area ever got to see the skies. Um, I'm wondering, Sophia, through your research, if you found any other ways to discover space phenomena around here. Yeah, so there's some meteor showers coming up this month. A big shout out to your husband, Jeremy. He showed <laughs> us the New York Times space calendar. Right. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, well, that says the Geminids meteor shower has started. It should be peaking around December 13th and 14th. Um, and later this month, there's also the Ursids meteor shower. That's from December 17th to 26th. And it should probably be peaking around December 22nd and 23rd. There was a really cool guide, actually, in the New York Times that tells you how to watch one of these things. I remember it from when I was a kid, but we'll make sure and link that in our show notes. Yeah, that's a great resource. And looking ahead a few months, uh, April 8th of next year, there's going to be a solar eclipse. This is when the moon comes between the sun and the earth. And Erie is the perfect location to watch this. You'll be able to see it in 100% totality there. But, you know, if you don't have time for the drive, I expect it'll be pretty crowded. Pittsburgh will get it in 97% totality, so that's still a pretty good view. I am aware of that because I have already requested off and I have a hotel okay. room booked. I should do that too. <laughs> I might not book a hotel. I've heard they're also expensive, but I'm going to get that day off now. Thanks for the tip. It's not an eerie. It's a different path, but <laughs> I'm planning to watch. <laughs> 
Sophia, thank you so much for rounding all this up and finding all this info. It's always a blast to see how your brain works. (laughs) Thanks for letting me do this, Megan. Thanks for letting me nerd out. So an update, that lunar launch we were just talking about, it might get delayed now to 2024. The rocket company ULA found some issues with ground equipment over the weekend during a practice countdown. The CEO said in Space News that he wants to do a, quote, full wet dress rehearsal, end quote, before they move forward. Wet, by the way, apparently means that they actually put fuel in the tanks, but stop just short of firing up the rocket. The more you know. Officially, that rocket's next launch window opens January 8th, but it could get pushed again. It happens a lot. Check out our show notes for more details. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, we hope you'll tell someone about it. And don't forget to check out some of those membership benefits. You can find more at membership.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. I wonder if I can change my Slack notification to like a rocket launch noise.